0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the North County Court of Appeals. My name is uh, Judge Chris Dillon. i will be today. To my right is Judge John Tyson. To my left is Judge Jefferson Griffin. Roderick McFarlane is our clerk today and Richard Rimmelard is our marshal. We have one case on the calendar today. It's True Homes versus the city of Greensboro and then we, if the appellant is ready, let me, just let you can proceed to the podium and just let me know if you want to reserve any time for rebuttal.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. We would reserve five minutes for rebuttal. Good afternoon and may it please the Court. My name is Steve Russell. I represent the defendant appellant, City of Greensboro, along with my colleagues. And I want to divide this part of my argument into two parts. And first, I want to address why Greensboro's capacity use fees were not prospective and therefore were not ultra-virus. In the second part of my argument, I want to address the application of the 2017 amendment to Greensboro's capacity use fees, and, and for each part I want to offer a framework that's faithful to the language of the controlling cases and the controlling statutes using the traditional rules of construction, and I think this will show that Greensboro always exercised authority that it possessed that none of the challenged fees were ultra-virus and that the trial court erred by granting the plaintiff's motion for some readjudgment judgment instead of the city's motion. So first, I want to address the fees collected before October 1st, 2017. These would be the fees under the old version of the statute, and that's about $3.2 million of the refund that was awarded here. And the starting point is the case that this Court has seen and dealt with many times, and that's quality-built homes. Uh, But we would submit that it's never been applied to facts like these, and really two unique facts, in that the evidence shows the fee was due after connection and after actual service at the properties, and we think these are the fa- these facts are the reason why. It certainly seemed that Judge Doughton recognized this is a case that would need to be heard before this court at some point. In Quality Built Homes, the Supreme Court struck down
0: Carthage's impact fees. That was the name Carthage used. Before you do that, tell me what you mean by fees after service to the property. Is it still before? Is it still due before any one drop of water is ever drawn? No, they're due after that. And we believe that is the critical distinction, that it's both on the water and the sewer side, So once, so once water's tapped, that first bill will be the amount of usage plus this fee?
1: No. In Greensboro, the, the way this fee was structured, it was due at the point in time the meter was installed. That's at the end of construction. It's long after the property has been connected, meaning there's an activated lateral already. But it still would be before the first drop of water is actually drawn through the meter. Through the meter? but not through, not through the lateral, not up to the house. And on the sewer side, the evidence is that they would be
0: connected early and that, that when sewer But and water anything up to the meter is, is the city's responsibility, is that right? Installing the meter is a step the city does, yes. Okay, so up to the meter, okay.
1: Yes.
2: And is it a per lot or is it due before the lots even sold?
1: It's due at the very end of all of that. So the lot's already been platted. There already are laterals installed. And already, as I, as I will uh, indicate, there's been usage there. It's at the very end of all of that process, unlike but, every other case.
2: But there's not necessarily a house on the lot. Is that correct?
1: No, there would have been a house on the lot at this point. And is connected. It? Yes. It's at, the, it's at the very end of construction that this fee would be due.
2: Not the subdivision construction, the actual construction of a physical improvement on the property. Yes, the sir. house.
0: Yes, sir. Okay. Because that's when the meter gets put
1: in. That the meter is at the very end of that process, yes sir. That's when essentially the volumetric billing process begins in Greensboro, is after that meter is installed. But that comes after the usage that I'm going to talk about and after the connection that occurs before this fee is due. Um, in, in quality-built homes, the Supreme Court struck down Carthage's impact fees for future services because they required a prospective charging authority that did not exist under the old version of the statute which authorized fees for services furnished, not services to be furnished. And there's no dispute that fees that rely on that prospective charging authority are ultra-virus under the old statute. As as the Supreme Court said in quality-built homes, the plain language of the public enterprise enterprise statutes clearly fails to empower the town to impose impact fees for future services. So to apply quality-built homes here, we have to determine what makes a fee prospective under that test. Perspective means in the future, so perspective to what? What What's the event in the future that a prospective fee has to precede? Um, In looking at each of the cases, it's it's perspective to furnishing service, that when you furnish service, you've crossed that threshold under 314A and have that full authority the statute provides. We would say this is a clear through line from quality-built homes through Day Dallas and other cases. And our shorthand way of thinking about this, and I think, Judge Dillon, this goes to your question, is wet pipes. Wet pipes is furnishing a service under 314A, and that triggered the full authority. So in quality-built homes, the impact fees were due early in development, and Judge Tyson, like you indicated, before plat approval, before we even had lots. They had to be paid before Carthage would issue building permits, therefore before the builder could begin to improve the lot or ever establish a need for service on a lot. And the court said that was a time when infrastructure might not have been built to the property, and even if the fee was paid, the town may never build infrastructure under Carthage's system. Now, the court noted the impact fees were not due at the time of connection and were not due at the time of actual use. Therefore, they were due before Carthage could have possibly furnished a service to the property. So, moving from quality-built homes, we look at how this court has applied that test to other cases and other factual records. We'll start with Kid Construction v. Greenville Utilities Commission from 2020. And I'll start with how this court characterized quality-built homes. It said that the Supreme Court viewed the, the old statute that it did not empower Carthage to impose impact fees prior to any service being provided. And that picks right up on the through line. And as the court noted in Kid Construction, the timing in Greenville meant that its capacity fees are imposed as a precondition to development approval, to the issuance of building permits and to receiving service, and as argued by the builder in that case, it was also due before a connection was even made. So those fees were plainly prospective applying that quality built homes test. And then the next case is Data Alice v. City of Charlotte from this court last year. And again, let's start with how the panel there viewed the quality built homes test. It noted the Supreme Court's holding as this, Carthage's impact fees were prospective because the fees were charged to a property to be served by the town and were not assessed at the time of actual use of the water and sewer system. And I think it's very telling that the first question Judge Hampson asked in the oral argument, and he was the author of the decision, was whether the fee was charged before or after connection. I think that goes right to the through line, and the opinion went on to find that Charlotte's fee was a mandatory precondition of connecting to the existing water and sewer infrastructure. So, of course,
0: it would have to be before wet pipes because there was no connection at all. I'll make sure I get all the fees down. You have a tap fee, which basically is 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 to reimburse the town or the city for the cost of going out there and actually connecting or connect. Tell me, just describe the, the various fees and then what fee we're talking about here. Okay. So this is a capacity
1: use fee in Greensboro, which uh, the, the evidence in the city's understanding its purpose is that is that from the beginning of of the system to now, it has incurred significant debt and expended a lot of resources to build a system capable of serving this particular lot, where this house exists and is requesting a meter. And at that point in time, the city asked that property owner to reimburse a portion of those historic costs that allowed it to build the system that can provide that service that already has been provided. Uh, In Greensboro, you have a meter set fee, and that's again at the end of the process. And that's the physical labor of going and putting the meter in the meter box. Um, That's the same time the capacity use fee is due there at the end. Many communities have tap fees, and uh, there was a time well in the past that Greensboro was also in the business of installing laterals. So it would connect the main to each lot. But during the time period that's at issue here, uh, the evidence is that Greensboro only extremely rarely did that. It was not in that business. Third party private developers would do that work and so there would be no tap fee due. And in the, in the record, we have these extensive charts of the, all the properties that the two class representatives developed, and you go through those, and there are no tap fees being paid in there. They're paying a capacity use fee and a meter set fee.
2: So Let me make sure I understand then. So the main line, the trunk line, if you want to say, or distribution line, in order to access the water for the lot, there's a lateral, a tap that has to be on that line and then there's a meter base set, and then there's a lateral from the meter base into the house, is that correct?
1: So there's a, the, the lateral would run from the main to the meter box on the property, and then the builders, and the evidence here is again, this is at the very beginning of construction, would then run lines from that meter box up into the house they're building.
2: All right, whose responsibility is it for the lateral to tap the line?
1: In Greensboro, that's handled by third-party developers, not by the city. Except in rare cases, you said, right? Except in very rare occasions.
2: So let me jump right to so Whose responsibility is that line for maintenance up until the meter base?
1: I don't believe that's a question that's directly addressed by the record here, Your Honor. But that's the
2: reason I'm asking.
1: But here's what the evidence shows, and I think this will get to the answer to that. Um, in Greensboro, the two class representatives, they don't even come into the picture until after a lot is connected to the system. They don't even have an interest in the lot. They buy what are known as finished lots. A finished lot means it's platted, it's divided, it's platted, and there's the main, there's the lateral to the meter box, to the clean out on the sewer side, and the laterals are activated. So there's pressure up to the meter box. They come into the picture, and then they continue the rest of development after they've bought that, um, that finished lot.
2: Is what you told me true also about the laterals to the sewer line? Does, does the third party put those in, or does the city put those in? Yes,
1: those are the third party puts those in, um, and those are connected up to the houses under construction at the beginning of the construction process in the same way. The testimony is they would do that at a, the same time. So
2: all TAPs are third party except in rare situations down in Greensboro. That's right. Okay, and am I correct that Greensboro, like most other places, charges sewer fees based on water usage? Yes. So if there's no water usage, there's no sewer? That's correct. Is there like a minimum monthly maintenance?
1: I'm actually thinking back to my water bill the last time I saw one. I think we do have a I think we do have a minimum. Uh, those fees are not in place at the point in time we're talking about this point in time up to the capacity use fee. That's all part of the normal volumetric monthly billing that right. kicks in after this fee is paid, after that meter is put in place.
2: So but you don't know who, who has the maintenance responsibility of the lateral from the main line up to the meter and meter base
1: I, I will tell your honor that based on the fact that we have a third party developer handling all of that in the first instance before selling it to the class representatives my certainly my impression is that remains a non-city responsibility Okay, that's consistent with the rest of the evidence we have here so in, in Dade, alice the opinion went on to find that charlotte's fee was a mandatory precondition of connecting to the existing water and sewer infrastructure once, it was, once that fee in Charlotte was paid, Charlotte would then take steps to connect the property in four to six weeks. And that timing would seem to be fatal under Quality Built Homes because that fee is plainly due before connection. But Charlotte tried to argue that they furnished a service in a different way when their fee was due. That they took administrative steps to reserve capacity in that four to six week period when there was no connection. But the court held that was insufficient, and that makes sense because reserving capacity is just paperwork. There's no water involved there. It's not an actual connection or actual use. So again, in Day Dallas, the court followed this same through line from quality built homes. And in every other case that this court and the Supreme Court have looked at, that same fact pattern presents itself. And when you look at connection and actual use, not gonna go through them all here, but pages 16 to 24 of the city's opening brief walks through the history of all of those cases. And we note two other important supports for this through line or this principle. And the first is professor david owens from the school of government who's been a long-standing valuable resource to this court and his treatise begins on page 10 of the appendix to the city's brief and he writes regarding public enterprise fees that the authority to impose them is contingent on the actual or planned provision of services actual or planned in the future and professor owens turns to quality built homes and notes that carthage's fees failed that test because they were assessed regardless of a property owner's actual use of the systems or whether the town actually expanded the system. The other case it is important to consider is Ricks v. Town of Selma from this court in 1990. And that case explores when does a city cross that threshold under the statute that it begins furnishing a service. The property in Ricks was a mobile home park that was connected on the water side. It was not connected on the sewer side, but the sewer lines were right there and available to it. And the town charged an availability fee. And this is back before there was separate statutory authority for availability fees. So the court's looking at this question only under 160A 314A. Was making the line right there ready to go available furnishing a service that granted the city the full authority? And the answer was yes. Um, And that's the closest case factually because there you have infrastructure built out, you have properties connected on the water side, although not on the sewer side. If Selma had that fee charging authority then certainly Greensboro, where the record shows actual connection, and beyond actual connection shows actual use, would have that authority. So this does all come down to timing, and the undisputed facts show that Greensboro collected the fee at a different time.
0: What do you do? Th- what I do, I'm just referring this to D- the, D- the Dallas case, and it just it did they do you argue somewhere they get it sort of wrong? I'm just reading it and it and it seems to say that. They are getting they're getting caught up not so much when the fee's charged, but what the money's used for. And the money's used for like it's they, they have this language that they don't receive any concurrent service for this fee. It's just to go to provide service capacity for new development, blah, blah, blah. And it and only and, and, and they said and they so they get caught I mean, I understand I, I think we're you're thinking you can charge any fee you want to for whatever purpose as long as it's charged when the water is hooked up. So, the money can go anywhere. It's just a fee. but So, they can charge any kind of fee for any purpose. They could go, they could say, We're going to, have to charge a fee for our police force, but it only applies once because so, it's just a fee that goes to the city. It could be used for any purpose. Um, and you think that's what, am I understanding? You think that's what Quality Built Homes says, but it doesn't seem like the Dallas court said, thought that. They, they sort of, Am I right about that? Do they seem to kind of misinterpret in your mind, or they misinterpret KID? Did I read that somewhere? I I think there's a couple issues there. They do have, there is an issue with how they recite KID, and I can address that. And how they use the money, because they seem to be more caught up on how they they use the money. Even though you're getting the benefit of this, (laughs) this, this infrastructure that's already been built, the money's going for future stuff, and that seems, and the Dallas says that would be ultra virus. Maybe that's not a proper reading of quality. I don't know, but.
1: I think Am I, I reading the
0: Dallas wrong?
1: I, I think I would suggest two things on your reading of day Dallas, Your Honor. The first is they say that when the fee was due, no service was provided. And that's true because they weren't connected. So there's no way any service could be provided. And certainly nothing even approaching the, the RIC standard where it's ready to go. The city has all this additional work to do. So, so that's exactly right. There was no service provided. The other issue in, in day Dallas is one that's not present here. Is There was an ordinance in that case. That said, that they had to use their user rates, which means their volumetric fees for debt service, and the court noted that in, in, as a way to, to defeat um, Charlotte's argument that you know, hey, uh, these pre-connection fees are what we use for debt service. There was a there was a specific ordinance that said, you know, no, this is another source for debt service. In terms of how Day uh, Dallas recites the facts in kit construction. Um, The the issue really is that, as I said in Kid Construction, the court said that Greenville did not condition final plat approval, uh, the issuance of building permits, or actual service. Um, Strike that. Greenville did condition uh, plat approval, building permits, and actual service on the payment of the fee. The fee had to be paid first. In Day Dallas, the court said that Greenville did not condition final plat approval and issuance of building permits upon the payment of fees. So it tried to distinguish, it really changed the timing in Greenville, and timing is important here. So I think I'd offer two things to the court, and the first is if you go back and look in Kid Construction at the briefing, here's what the builder in that case said to this court about timing in Greenville. Impact fees are required to be paid at the time of a developer's application for water and sewer service prior to any connection or service being rendered, pre-connection. And the builder went on there to say that the impact fees are imposed as a precondition to development approval, a precondition to the issuance of building permits, and a precondition to receiving service, and prior to any outlay of water or sewer infrastructure. That's at pages 343 and 345 of the Rule 9D supplement, where we have some excerpts from that briefing. So we've got Kid Construction saying one thing that matches what the builder in Kid Construction was telling this court, Dade Alice saying something completely different about what happened in Kid Construction. But the law gives us a tool to deal with that discrepancy, and that's Hummel v. Hummel, that's in race civil penalty. If this court is trying to understand what the facts were and what the law was in kid construction, we looked at kid construction. And it says plainly that Greenville's fee there was a precondition for for plat permits and actual use. It was in that early phase. Certainly, it was pre connection, just like in Charlotte, it was pre connection.
2: One, one of the factors into Dallas was whether or not the capacity fees were segregated or merely deposited into the general fund. Can you tell us about the ones here?
1: Yes. Uh, Greensboro's fees are deposited into the Public Enterprise Fund, so that would be, a general fund would be a way to describe that. Obviously, specific here to water sewer, not the the city of Greensboro's general fund. Uh, I think the point I would make, though, Your Honor, is that, um, you know, In Charlotte they had that ordinance that was about directing how the money was used and we don't have that here and there's not been any law identified that would say Whether a fee is prospective or not or whether it's ultra virus or not turns on whether it's segregated after received There's been no authority cited to the court for that proposition.
2: The Dallas also talks about imposition of fees prior to receipt of services. Yes, sir, which seems to me to be a volumetric test that if you're not using it, you don't pay for it. You want to explain that?
1: I think I would suggest to your honor that it's not a, it's not a volumetric test because in Greensboro, the evidence is there was water provided without use at all.
2: How can you use something you're not using?
1: Well, I, I, I think you can use it without having volumetric charges for it, and that's what the evidence in Greensboro actually shows. In Charlotte, they weren't connected at all, so there could never have been any use. There could never have been a wet pipe.
2: But uh, again, the fact that it's there on quote the city side of the meter the fact that you got pressure coming up to the meter but you don't have any usage coming out of the other side it, 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 i'm having a hard time to separate receipt of services as opposed to receipt of the product of the services And i guess that's you might want to address that
1: well first I would say that in starting with quality built homes we see a concern for connection being a critical factor and here we have connection it's to the meter box it's to the clean out it's activated um, and I would point the court to There's Rick's. order to the meter yes sir now point the court to Rick's where in Rick's even just availability is furnishing a service much less connection onto the lot um, and so let me get into the the actual usage here and, and so when you walk through the facts Say so there's, there's kind of three key questions that I think are helpful in working through the facts. And the first is when were the capacity use fees due? Evidence is undisputed. They were due at the end of construction when the meter was requested. Were properties already connected before the capacity use fees were due? Yes. We talked about the finished lots. I mean, it's a requirement of true homes. It wouldn't even buy a lot to develop unless that lot was already connected to the system.
2: Who controls when the meter set?
1: The, the builder will call in to make their request at, to set the meter at the end of the process. It's required for, I believe, the final plumbing inspection. So it's going to depend on the building timeline for that particular property. Uh, and So if they had not already paid their fees, they would pay them at that point, and then the city comes out and installs the meter.
2: So if if the house is unsold, unoccupied, but I want to get a plumbing inspection, I've got to have water connected.
1: Yes, in Greensboro, you have to have the water you have to have the water connection. And the fee
2: would be due at
1: that time it would be due at that time and at that point that house would be using this system or able to use the system that the city had built up to provide service ultimately to that property
0: now there's language in some of these cases suggests it matters what the money is used for but I, I'm, I'm looking at the language of statutes Says the city may establish revise from time to time a schedule of rents I mean is it does the statute really require is your argument that the statute doesn't really require, doesn't mandate what the city uses the money for, it's just they can charge a rent, rate, fee, whatever, they, and they can use it for whatever purpose, so long as they're providing a service? I think the statute itself
1: does not place a limit on that. that it, it, the, the statute asks, are you furnishing a service or not? Now, they, there's other law that could provide a limit. And so in the Anderson Creek Partners case that was before the Supreme Court recently, the plaintiff there proceeded on a takings theory, essentially, and essentially it goes to the reasonableness of the fee. So there certainly are other avenues that if a city is being abusive in how it calculates a fee, that that plaintiffs have theories that are
0: alive in the courts. But it's not necessarily wrong just to stick it in your general fund and say, you know, we've been paying all this money for 200 years building a water system. And so that would just be a different argument. It doesn't necessarily have to go to reimburse for some present cost. Or whatever for a sentence, because there's,
1: there's been no law cited, and no law that we're aware of that would
0: track one to one under 314A. So you're saying the whole problem with quality, the, the Supreme Court had was just the, the timing of it. There's just no authority to ch- charge any kind of fee. For before the service is actually provided. So once it's provided, you can charge a fee, and some of it can just go to the general fund, and that's okay. I, I think that's the very nature of words like perspective and contemporaneous
1: that the court was using. Those are timing words, and so I do think timing is the essence of the test, and Ricks makes the same point, I think.
2: Am is I that correct that no public utilities are subject to uh, fees or rates by the Utilities Commission?
1: I believe that's correct, Your Honor. So but,
2: how do you, I mean, how do you challenge... The, the amount of the fee or the amount of the rate for municipal water or municipal utility utilities.
1: Well, in, in Day Dallas, the plaintiff- You vote out
2: to the council and bring somebody else in, is that the way you do it?
1: Well, there certainly is. The, there's political recourse in any town, and as, as you know, builders can be very active members of the community. Um, in Day Dallas, the plaintiff advanced a reasonableness challenge that wasn't addressed in that case because of how the court resolved it. And like I said, in Anderson Creek Partners right now, we're seeing a takings kind of challenge playing out on that. So, there are those limits. Um, I want to refer the court to, to two things. One is there's discussion in the brief that I don't have time for right now as to jumpers. Jumpers so, are really- So
2: is, it, is it the fee the timing of when it's due or the amount that you're charging or both?
1: I don't think, I don't think under the pure 314 question amount is relevant. I think the question is timing. And was it charged before connection, before use or after connection, after use? Here we have connection plainly and we have use through jumpers, and jumpers are essentially, they can plug into that meter box where there's no meter right now and use water during construction. The evidence is that true homes, that was basically its practice that it did that, and that it's common all over Greensboro for builders to do that. And they're that. not charged based on the amount they're you not, use. They're not charged volumetrically at all. And when they use that water up in the home, then it's returning through the sewer line to the sewer lateral, so you have flow, wet pipes, both ways.
0: I'll give you an extra
1: minute if you want to is right, that
2: prior to the setting of the meter the yes, jumpers?
1: Sir, that's all prior
2: so that's just in the meter base and not prior to the setting of sir, the meter
1: the jumper is what allows you to use that water even when the meter is not in there although i would contend that connection itself is furnishing the service i want to talk briefly about the second argument and i'll try to do it very briefly on the 2017 amendment and this addresses uh, affects about 2.2 million dollars excuse me, about two million dollars of the refund ordered and the question before the court there is really how do you harmonize these two parts of the amendment. The one part that changed 314A to give that to be furnished, that prospective authority. And the other part that said within nine months from now, you've got to conform to a new system, a system development fee system. You've got to do a study, hold a public comment period, et cetera. And the city's position is that straightforward statutory construction means that on October 1st, 2017, when the amendment to 314A went into effect, the General Assembly essentially made a quick fix. It gave cities the authority that they lacked under quality-built homes to charge prospectively. And then it gave you nine months to conform to this new system, a quick fix and a long-term solution. And I want to just point the court to two cases on this. First, Anderson Creek Partners, the Court of Appeals decision, a part that was not uh, overturned by the Supreme Court, the court held that in response to quality-built homes, the General Assembly modified the statute to give cities the, the prospective charging authority. And in Lenore, Carolina v. Union County, which is an unpublished case of this court from 2020, in footnote 3, you see the same thing. Talking about county authority, but it's the same change that the General Assembly reacted to quality-built homes by immediately giving cities and counties the authority to directly levy prospective fees. So even if the city's fees were prospective, those would mean that the fees are nonetheless not ultra-virus under the amended statute. Thank you, Your Honors.
0: And you'll have about four minutes. We'll hear from the city, from the, the appellee, True homes.
3: May I please the court, my name is Jim DeMay, and along with my co-counsel, I represent the plaintiff appellee's True Homes LLC and Dr. Horton individually and on behalf of the certified class. And for the reasons discussed in our brief and that I'll address here this afternoon, the trial court was correct in granting summary judgment for the plaintiffs in the class, and this court should affirm. With respect to the statutory authority argument, I, I want to back up and focus my argument on three things. First of all, and Judge Dillon, this goes to some of the questions that you had, I want to talk about what impact fees are and their purpose to recover growth-related capital costs, which is something that I think has gotten lost in this discussion about timing. Number two, I want to talk about the water and sewer impact fee case law that controls the analysis in this case, specifically quality-built homes, Anderson Creek, Kid Construction, and to Dallas. And then finally, I want to talk about the city's capacity use fee ordinance, which is identical in all relevant parts to the impact fee ordinances, certainly in kid construction and in Dallas, as the fees are charged to pay for the capital costs associated with serving new growth, two, paid at the time of an application for a new service, and three, are not the tap or the connection fee. Now, to the first point, again, zooming back and talking about what these fees are. I want to put it in the framework of basically the three buckets of fees that are discussed, certainly in quality-built homes and in kid construction, but that really came into view with the Supreme Court's discussion in Anderson Creek, as well as this court's discussion in Dallas, And that's user fees, tap fees, or what are sometimes called connection fees, and then impact fees. User fees, those are the fees, of course, that the customers get each month for their volum- volumetric <laughs> usage. That's that's a service. You're, you're providing water. You're having wastewater being returned. That's a service furnished. <laughs> the user fee pays for that. Second, we have tap, or connection fees. That's the fee that gets paid to connect your property to the existing mains. Now, as the city notes, sometimes builders will install that tap themselves. But if the city installs it, they charge a tap fee, and that's a fee for the connection. That's a service furnished.
0: And if I move into a house that's already there, sometimes the water's cut off. It I have to pay a fee for it to be cut back on. Sometimes that may be a little bit different.
3: I, I don't know if that would that that, that would be a, a maybe an activation fee. But in any that event, that's a service. They're activating. They're they're yeah. they're, 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 they're 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 activating that. Um, but as the Supreme Court going back to the tap fees and the user fees, Supreme Court recognizing quality built homes, those are the two fees for a service furnished that were authorized under the former version of General Statute 168 314. Supreme Court Chief Justice Nuvy wrote at page 20 of that decision Carthage has the authority to charge tap fees and to establish water and sewer rates to fund necessary improvements and maintain services to its inhabitants, which is sufficient to address expansion needs. Okay? Now, on the other hand, we have this third group, impact fees or what are also called capacity fees or capacity use fees. Those are fees to offset the cost to expand the water and sewer systems to accommodate development and as the Supreme Court recognized in Anderson Creek at, edge, at page 20 of that decision, are not intended to cover the cost of any service that is currently being provided to the person paying or to use the, the, the way this court looked at it into Dallas. Unlike user fees or tap fees, new customers do not receive any concurrent service in exchange for the impact fee. So it's not a fee for a service furnished, which was the limits of the city's authorities under the former version of General Statute 168-314, And that's why over a dozen cities sought and attained local acts from the General Assembly Authorizing them to charge water and sewer impact fees because they weren't authorized under general law There would have been no reason for the general assembly to enact those local acts if the authority already existed Which brings me to my second point which is that some cities some cities like the city of Greensboro here Adopted impact fee ordinances without receiving any local authority and the first time that the that the appellate courts addressed this issue was in quality built homes There, the town of Carthage, without a local act, adopted impact fee ordinances to offset the cost to expand water and sewer systems to accommodate development. Important point here, the impact fees had to be paid either, one, at the the time of subdivision of land, or two, at the time of payment of tap fees or the issuance of building permits. And when they were paid with the tap fees, that was a time when a water and sewer line existed in front of the property, which is the same circumstance as the city of Greensboro here as well as when I get to kid construction to Dallas, the circumstances in those cases, And the Supreme Court held, of course, that the impact fee ordinances were not authorized under the statute. One thing that they emphasized, the court emphasized, of course, was the fact that a number of cities had sought and obtained local act authority, and Carthage had not. But then there's this discussion by by now Chief Justice Newby at page 21 of the Quality Built Homes decision that talks about all the different ways. There's at least four different ways that the court viewed the Carthage Impact Fee Ordinances as perfect. perspective. One, the ordinances contemplated fees being paid for the expansion of the systems. The fees were charged in addition to the tap fees, which paid for the actual connection. The fees were charged for future discretionary expending by the town. And the fees were charged to properties that were not actually using the water and sewer system, in some instances prior to plat approval. And after the court goes through all that, at page 22, The court says, while the public enterprise statutes at issue here enable Carthage to charge for the contemporaneous use of its water and sewer systems, the statutes clearly and unambiguously fail to give Carthage the essential prospective charging power necessary to to assess impact fees. There was no qualifier about impact fees charged at a certain time in the development process necessary to assess impact fees.
2: Let me ask you this. There's been a number of cases, specifically out of Brunswick County, on the sewer system about what's referred to as an availability fee and it's where the line goes by the property owner water or sewer and um, the property owner chooses not to connect but they're assessed an availability fee how do you characterize that so, of course and, and that's a we,
3: we are not this impact fee is not in the, the availability fee of course as your honor is aware um, is a fee that's charged for, because the property owners are not connecting, the, the, the lines are available. And you can charge basically a, a periodic rate that's usually the base rate um, for the water and sewer charge, you, you basically, they're charged the money. Those amount. people
2: are not receiving any usage either, but they're still having to pay for the availability of service. And and, and and that
3: is not what we're paying for with respect to the impact fee, again, going back to this discussion that's in Anderson Creek and these other cases. The impact fee is for growth-related capital costs. The lines that are in, the lines are installed by the developers. The the city's not the one who's making these lines available. You mean the mains? The, the mains and the subdivisions. The mains and the subdivisions are installed by developers, and then they're donated to the city, and the city accepts them as part of the as sort of part of the the subdivision.
2: So even the main distribution trunk lines, your clients are installing those in addition. We we have to, and and I'm I'm going to be very clear here because obviously you've got to connect to an existing line, right? That the city owns. Well, let me with going back to with respect
3: to the availability fee. If you were to view. This case through the lens of the availability fee, that you would necessarily have to reject quality-built homes kid, and certainly kid construction in Dallas. Because in those situations, certainly in kid construction in Dallas, and I'll get to those cases in a minute, the water and sewer lines are available; they're there in front of the property. The builder calls in an application um, for, for the you know the, the lines to be activated or the meter be activated, and and then it happens. Um, so this is not an availability fee charge that we're dealing with in this case. Again, this is an impact fee which relates to the entire purpose of the fees that there are these growth related capital costs.
2: Does it make a difference if it's for prospective cost or as opposed to cost incurred?
3: What I'll say with respect to that is that the, the purpose of the city's ordinance is verbatim the same ordinance or the, and I'll get to this in a second. The city's, purpose in charging these impact fees is verbatim the same as Anderson Creek. And in Anderson Creek, the Supreme Court held that the purpose of the fees was to offset expansion costs. It's also substantially similar, basically the same, with respect to the, the um, purpose of the fees that was stated in kid Construction and in Dallas. And with respect to the, the I, I don't agree that the city's stated purpose of the impact fees is anything backwards looking. Again, it's verbatim the same ordinance as Anderson Creek, and the Supreme Court in Anderson Creek said this is to offset expansion costs. But even if it were, the Charlotte fees in the Dallas case were backwards looking. They calculated the fees, and this is in the, the opinion, they calculated the fees based on something called the buy-in um, buy-in method, which is basically you're buying into the infrastructure that's already been and established so either way um, it, it, it the, these are impact fees and they're for these growth related capital costs
2: you, you agree most cities do not measure sewer
3: do not measure sewer
2: right. it's basically yeah, it's, it's based the, on the usage of water yes sir and the and the the construction of sewer facilities are very expensive as well as the pipes are yes sir and there's no feasible way to be paid for that but for water do you agree with that as far as user rates yes yeah so that's the only means the city's got to recoup any current past or future is through the water through the water billing based on volumetric use and I think quality built homes
3: uh, answers that question again at, at page 22 it says or excuse me at page 20 they say you have the authority to charge tap fees and establish water and sewer rates To fund necessary improvements and maintain services and sufficient to expense expansion needs. Those, those are the. the So, if
2: someone wanted sewer service without water service, how would the city charge for that?
3: I don't know if it would be um, any different. If they, uh, I'm sorry, your honor. Maybe I'm not understanding the, the question. If they wanted, if a
2: homeowner wanted had a well. Mm-hmm. Met, met out all the requirements for a well, and they said, I don't need water, I just want sewer.
3: I don't know the answer to that, and I'm not sure if the record reflects that, but based on the, um,
2: and I'll get to this I in guess a my point is you can't separate them. You can't separate the water usage from the sewer uses because it's the water usage that's the only basis to recoup for sewer. You that's correct. You yeah. can't independently have one without the other. I I don't know how the city would meter separately
3: for sewer I don't I don't know the the answer to that but but the point with respect to the capacity use fees for in order to receive these services in order to have an approved application for service in either event you have to pay the capacity use fees and I'll get to that in a moment
2: Um, so again just very quickly why is it not an availability fee and what differentiates this from a valid availability fee because
3: we're not paying for the availability of the mains, number one. We're paying for these growth related expansion costs. And again, if you were to view this through an availability fee lens, and availability fees are paid for operational cost. I mean that's that's in that's in RICs, it's for operational cost. It's not for these expansion costs, and that's what separates them. If you were to put them together again, you would have to overrule quality built homes to Dallas and Kidd because it's it's you know, those lines were existing in those
2: cases too. Well, your friend's saying that he doesn't surrogate his funds, that it's not put into a fund just for future. It in, goes into a general utility fund. And that could be for maintenance expenses or replacements or anything. It, it, it's, it's for, if you look at quality-built homes, one now of I'm the. Looking at, I'm looking at the facts here, what you're opposed to, what council just said.
3: They're put. I believe the record reflects that they're not earmarked for any particular use, um, and that they don't track how they're spent, um, which we would put into the category as fees charged for future discretionary spending, which is one of the characteristics that the Supreme Court looked at in the Quality Built Homes case.
2: When the Dallas uh, Judge Hampson also said that was an important factor in that case, that they were not surrogated. What? So if they're surrogated for future development, that's easy. That's an easy one. But if they're just dumped into a general fund where the city can use them for repairs, maintenance, replacements, expansions, whatever. Then that's a harder that's a harder lens to track.
3: Two things I want to say in response to that, Judge Tyson. Number one, um, the ordinance that's at issue here, and I'll get to that in a minute, is the same language verbatim as the ordinance of Harnett County and Anderson Creek. And in Anderson Creek, Again, and I'll just make sure I cite the right page. I believe it's, um, well, the language of the ordinance is at page four and five of the Anderson Creek decision. And then later, I believe at eight, page 20, the Supreme Court gives a discussion. It's verbatim the same language. And the Supreme Court held in that case that that ordinance was designed to offset expansion-related costs. OK, so that's number one. Number two, going back to Dallas, what the holding of Dallas was um, is that the fees were charged to pay the capital costs associated with serving new growth, going back to the purpose of the ordinance. Two, paid at the time of application for a new service. And three, were not the tap or connection fee. And then the city of Charlotte made this additional argument about, well, we use these fees to pay debt service. And then after that holding, this court went on to say, well, you don't actually do that because your user rates are used to pay debt service because that's what your user rate ordinance is. But the, the important piece of the Dallas is those three steps where they, they analogized it to, to the fees that issue in KIT construction. Um, I, I'd like to briefly go to, to KIT construction and to, um, to Dallas, And, um, you know, again, this case was filed in the wake of Quality Bill Homes. Um, Kate construction to Dallas had not yet been decided. And, this, and the city's presented its defense based on this timing this timing issue. And that defense um, has been rejected based on this court's decisions in K construction and to Dallas. And I'll explain why. And I want to pause one other thing. Is I, I heard opposing counsel mention um, Professor Owen's um, um, statement. That was from a 2020 version of this treatise, or what's cited in the city's brief is a 2020 version. That is prior to this court's decision in KID and prior to this court's decision in Dallas. So I just wanted to to note that. Um, With respect to KID, the GUC regulations, Greenville Utility Commission regulations, provided that capacity fees are collected in an effort to recover a proportional share of the cost of capital facilities constructed to provide service capacity for new development. So another point about sort of the, the backwards looking here, GUC is saying we're looking to recover A share of the cost of facilities that have already been constructed the fees were not paid at a condition of subdivision plat approval or building permits but instead at the time of the builder's application or request for water and sewer service the same thing here this court recognized that correctly at page 461 of the dallas opinion they said unlike quality built homes greenville did not condition final plat approval or the issuance of building permits upon the payment of capacity fees and the city disputes us on this point, and to the extent that this court has any questions about that, portions of the kid record are in the record in this case. And if you look at page 870 of the record, these are the GUC rules and regulations. And it says, for developer installed taps, which is when service lines are existing, parentheses, service lateral and meter box for water and sewers lateral and clean out for sewer. So when those lines are existing, when those laterals are existing, capacity fee is charged with the application of service, which is the same thing that the city is saying here. At page 856 of the record in this case, or the record um, exhibits, the testimony from GUC says, capacity fees were actually being charged at the time you tapped into the system. It's the same case, but to the extent that there were any questions about that, that's resolved by Dallas. Um, the Charlotte ordinances provided that the fees were paid for the capital cost of serving with new growth. As I mentioned earlier, it was based on this buy-in method. The fees were not assessed before subdivision, flat approval, or building permits, but later, like kid construction, at the time property owners apply for new water and sewer service. And this court held, as I just mentioned, the fees were identical in relevant part to GUC. They were charged with to pay the capacity costs associated with serving new growth, were paid at the time of application for new service, and the service connection fee consisted of two components. Do you think fee.
0: under the 2016, the old law, they could have charged this fee? this capacity fee after the first drop of water is drawn and there's there's some usage? The, or, so I, kind of, or they just never use it because, because the purpose of it is to pay for the, all the debt and all this other stuff. Is it, so, is it so what they're using the money for or is it the timing of it?
3: it it's, 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 to, to answer your question, I think you run into two problems there. One, if you're charging it as part of a user rate, now you're running into an issue that you're charging similarly classified users, people living in a home, some of them are getting you know one fee and then some are getting a fee with this impact fee component on top of it so that's one problem um, and the second problem there is it's still a fee that's just set for these these growth related capital costs that are that's independent of any of the actual service the usage because that's of course what what the user rate is um, I, I'd like to go to the city's um, actual ordinances because i think
2: so before you go there let me ask you this there's a bifurcated award here right judge dalton gave a certain amount of reward for a certain period of time and then a different amount for a different part of time Um, why are both of those calculations correct
3: the uh the the damages awarded by judge Dalton.
2: Because they, they're time specific. You agree with that?
3: Right. So because the city has presented this argument about the two seven, 2017 amendment, we broke it out in the order at Judge Down's instruction because knew that this, this would be an issue before this court to say, hey, here's the amount of fees that are charged, that were charged prior to October 1, 2017, and here's the amount that were charged after. So
2: That goes back to Judge Dillon's question he just asked. It. Why couldn't they charge the fee prior to the amendment in the in the statute.
3: Why could they not charge the impact fee prior to the 2017 amendment for yeah. the same reasons that the the Supreme Court held it was unlawful in quality built homes and for the same reason that this court held in Kid Construction and to Dallas? They laughed. The amendment does not save it either. Is that what you're pointing the, to? So let me get to the amendment, but I. I
0: that was your second argument you are going to make, yeah. why the amendment does not. The, the amendment, if. if, if
3: I have about ten minutes left, and if I could
0: um, you finish what you're doing, and, you know, hit that give too, five actually.
3: minutes to do this, and then i'll I, I do do want to address this. So if I could use the um, uh, the projector there, um, And again, we'll start with the city's capacity use fee ordinance. This is section um, twenty nine fifty three of the city's ordinance. Again, as I've already stated, the ordinance is to recover directly from new customers the cost of the capacity of the utility system to serve them, resulting in an efficient method of recovery of such cost to handle new growth. Again, verbatim language, that's in Anderson Creek. Um, The ordinance also provides that the fees are paid in advance prior to installation of water meter and or sewer connection. And then here is the capacity use fee schedule. The highlighting is mine. At the very top, this is page 108 of the record, it says fees are due when the meter or service is requested. Then we go on from there. I'm going to continue to use this. We go to the city's rules and regulations for the operation of water and wastewater system. These rules are adopted by city council, and they govern the city's water and sewer systems. And here is at page 112 of the record, and this is section c1 application connection it says when the size of the meter and the applicable fees of the service connection have been determined the applicant shall pay the fees capacity use fees and shall be issued a permit for the desired service connection this same section then goes on to say at page 113 of the record again the highlighting is mine the installation of all laterals or setting of the required meters shall be done only after payment of appropriate fees, including capacity use, and approval of an application for service. After that, you get a water permit. Here's an example of a water permit from one of our class representatives. The permit number is listed at the top, and then it goes on to list the connection fees. We're not challenging the connection fees, $185. The water capacity use fee the sewer capacity use fee and then at the bottom it says application for water and or sewer service is granted subject to regulations and rules of the utility department it's here not acknowledged to have your meter set please please call this number I'm, I'm done. With that. thank you you cannot get a water permit that I just showed you you cannot get a water meter And you cannot get a certificate of occupancy for your home in the city of Greensboro in any event without paying these capacity use fees. And once again, it's the same fee that we looked at in kid construction we looked at in Dallas. Charged to pay for the capacity costs associated with serving new growth, paid at the time of application for connection for a new service, and are not the tap or connection fee. I'd like to switch going to the 2017 amendment. Here's, here's Here's what the amendment relates to. Quality Build Homes is decided in 2016. So it says cities can't charge impact fees. 2017, the General Assembly enacts the System Development Fee Act, which gave cities authority to charge impact fees subject to the compliance with the conditions and limitations of the Act. And, and the General Assembly was also very specific in this legislation that says we are not giving any retroactive authority for past unlawful fees. In fact, they, they included an express statute of limitations for the refund of these fees. Um, and the Act provides various, uh, various procedural requirements that the cities must undergo before adopting an impact fee. They have to get a consultant do, to do a study to justify the need and the amount of the fee. The study has to be published on the city's website for comment, and then the city holds a public hearing and can adopt the fee. All these things need to occur before they can adopt what the legislation calls a system development fee or, or an impact fee. To do that, the General Assembly did two things. Number one, they amended 168 a 314A to provide the to be furnished power, which is the, the, the phrase that was, that, that was missing from the statute that didn't authorize impact fees. And then they adopted the new Chapter 162A, Article 8, um, which is also incorporated into 168 314 at 168 a 314 subsection G. Now, there was a issue that the General Assembly needed to deal with in the sense that some cities, as I already mentioned, received local act authority. Uh, Over a dozen of them had received local act authority already authorizing them to charge impact fees. In addition, some forms of local government, like county water and sewer districts, which is what's at issue in Anderson Creek, that's why those local governments had authority predating the statute to charge impact fees, county water and sewer districts, Um, sanitary waste districts and some other uh, legislative or um, local government creatures under 162A had this special authority. So, the General Assembly gave them basically a nine month grace period in which to, they could continue to charge their old fees, but they had to go through these steps, these procedural requirements to adopt a system development fee prior to, I believe, uh, July 1 of 2018. And that nine-month window is codified at 162A, 203B, which says, a system development fee, impact fee, adopted by a local governmental unit under any lawful authority other than this article, such as a local act or a provisional chapter 162A, if you're county water and sewer district, and in effect on October 1, 2017, shall be conformed to the requirements of this article not later than July 1 of 2018 so in order to be saved by this new legislation the impact fee number one had to be adopted by a local government under some other lawful authority other than this article such as a local bill
0: which greensboro is not which which greensboro never got a local okay so, okay so, they, so then they had to comply with 8a or whatever so
3: and, and the system development fee had to be effect on october 1. city of greensboro didn't have a local so there was no grace period is what you're saying there's no great <laughs> they, they, they could have done this before july 1 2018 they could have immediately did their study and you know that takes time but they they could have theoretically got so it. you're done. saying
0: you, a city doesn't have the authority a city that has not gotten the special local act a city otherwise still cannot charge impact fee until they jump through other hoops
3: which exactly in which they did effective july 1 2018 we're not we're not challenging those system development fees that were charged after july 1 2018. And if you look at Kid, and if you look at the Dallas,
0: So not allowed to get even the 2017 fees because even though the statute was in place, they hadn't jumped through the hoops to get. Them. Those that's are. Your, that's your argument. E-
3: exactly, Your Honor. The, the the statute is very clear. You so have. What to, was
0: the hoop they didn't jump through? The, the they, they
3: have to get a consultant to do a study to analyze the water and sewer systems to, you know, to demonstrate the need for the fees. That study then has to be posted on the city's website, I believe, for a period of 45 days. After that, they hold a public hearing on the study, consider adoption of the fee. And the city did all yeah, that. Where, where is that in the statute? That is, it's all through Chapter 162A, Article okay. 8. That's, those, there's a all litany of procedural requirements there. The other point I just want to make, though, uh, with respect to this is need that. You about
0: three minutes. So I'm going to you an extra minute and a half, because I get a minute.
3: Thank you, Your Honor. Um, this is the same circumstance as Kidd and the same circumstance as Dallas. And Dallas, this court held. That the city of charlotte's impact fees were unlawful through the end of fiscal year 2018 which is june 30 2018 they weren't saved by this october 1 2017 amendment kid construction they referenced the study and, and both of these i believe decisions reference the studies that these communities did and they did it just like greensboro affected so
2: charlotte didn't White. have a local act either
3: charlotte didn't have a local act um, either situated this, the, the exact same as the city of greensboro um, so you know but again you just need to look at the the statute and particularly 162 a 203 B it had to be a fee that was adopted under some other authority under than this act such as a local act which which simply did not occur here Um, so uh, in conclusion um, following quality built homes Anderson Creek Kate construction and then finally to Dallas this is a settled issue prior to the system development fee act and prior to a city's adoption of a fee pursuant to that act which occurred with the city of Greensboro July 1 2018 cities lacked authority to charge water and sewer impact fees the, the city of Greensboro is no different from any of its peers it's no different from the town of Carthage it's no different from the city of Charlotte and it's no different from the city of Greenville and we respectfully request that the court affirm the trial courts grant of summary judgment in its entirety and and for plaintiffs in the class thank you
0: Yeah, about four minutes. So you can go a minute and a half over.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. Um, let, me, let me start with the 2017 amendment, um, and in particular, 162A-203B. That's the grace period. And I, I just want to make clear, and if you look at the statute, you'll see this. It doesn't talk about local acts at all. That's, it's pure speculation that the General Assembly in 203B said this grace period only applies to someone with a local act. That's unmoored from any principle of statutory construction because at the exact same- So
2: without the local act, what authority that would distinguish Greensboro from Charlotte did you have?
1: So the authority was in the amendment to Section 160 314 a effective October 1, 2017, when the General Assembly added the magic language. Now, I will concede that in the Charlotte decision, we don't see this issue about what was the effect of the 2017 legislation. It appears to me, as a reader, that Charlotte didn't raise that. And I don't know why they didn't raise that. But Greensboro's authority is not limited by what arguments Charlotte chose to advance H- or not in its you
2: followed the requirements of the statute in doing the study and having the public hearing in order to establish that, that viability?
1: Absolutely. The statute says that you have the, the grace period ends on July 1, 2018. That's when you need to be converted to the new system. And Greensboro absolutely did that and there is no dispute on that point.
2: And that's in the record.
1: Yes, sir. Okay. Um I want to address a few other issues. And I think the first one
0: is that no court hang on let had- me. So, so as long as you're saying as long as Greensboro did what they were supposed to do by July twenty eighteen, they could retroactively charge back to 2017, the effective date of the amendment?
1: No, I mean, there's nothing re- retroactive about the way we view it. What we would say is that on October 1, 2017, the the patch or the, the fix went into effect. The reaction to quality-built homes, and that's how this court described
0: it in Anderson Creek Partners so in Greensboro. And right Hunter. then and there, before they did anything, had the ability. So we had
1: the prospective authority then because the General Assembly fixed the problem. But the General Assembly said, we're going to fix the problem now. but. Within nine months, we've got a longer-term solution, and that's the world we all operate under today. But you've got nine months to get from where you are now to. There. If you
0: didn't do it, then you 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 stopped having the authority by July 1st, 2008. Absolutely, 162A would say you could not do that anymore after
1: so July 2018. That's how you that. Okay, that I'm just make sure i understand the difference. Here. Yep. Okay, I got you.
2: Um, but but you you agree there was no local act authority.
1: I agree with that. You needed a local act to charge a prospective fee before the amendment. But that just goes back to the issue that Greensboro's fee was not prospective because we don't see any case characterizing as prospective a fee that's only charged after connection and after actual use. And that goes back to Kid Construction and Day Dallas, and and there's a reference that the fee was due at application timing. But again, just look at both of those cases in Kid Construction that the builder was saying this is before connection. And in Day Dallas, the court said squarely, and I think the decision really turned on the fact that it was before connection. That was Charlotte's whole argument about the paperwork. We're doing the paperwork. Therefore, we furnished a service, and the court said, no, paperwork's not enough. Um, I want to make the point that no court has ever said that any fee of this broad type, and you see them broadly called impact fees, they have other names, no court's ever said this class of fee is necessarily ultra-virus at any time. I mean, if that was the case under constitutional avoidance, Anderson Creek Partners would never go down the takings path. But we're looking at all these other ways that, that are getting
2: at these fees. Uh, there is you, you no blanket prohibition. any city or county in North Carolina <clears throat> has only those powers delegated by the charter? Uh, they have if the pop- you, if, and if you didn't have it in the charter, you don't have it. They have the powers delegated
1: by statutes, and then the statutes essentially bootstrap in, I think, what's in your charter as well. Yes, right. sir.
2: So you don't have the implied power to do it? The, the,
1: you know, there's, there are statutes about the, the broad reading of some of these municipal authorities to uh, carry out any purpose. I don't know that there's one that is directly on point here, one way or another. Um,
2: but you're not relying on any type of implied authority, are you?
1: No, sir. And, and I would say, if you look at 314A, you know, it's not limited to only volumetric charges. It says rents, rates, fees, charges, and penalties. I think the, the General Assembly before and now gives municipalities a lot of flexibility in how they structure those fees. And, and the last point I want to make, and this goes to the rules and regulations document is it really is striking here, that it's like the plaintiffs are arguing this case almost like they are the appellant. And they're trying to poke holes in all of these facts, and they're construing all of these documents in their favor. But this was an award of summary judgment to the plaintiffs. And so all that evidence is construed in the city's favor, both below and on appeal here. And we would suggest that um, under that manner of review, uh, certainly summary judgment was inappropriately entered for the plaintiffs. But we believe the better view of the evidence when it's all considered is that um, these fees were not ultra-virus and the trial court should be reversed entirely.
2: One other question. Do you take issue with the way that Judge Dalton bifurcated the award?
1: Um, no, sir. Not in terms of the does dollars. Does it
2: rise that... or fall as one?
1: Yeah. Uh, no, it does not rise or fall as one. That's my I mean, question. We, would, we would say that, that even if the fee is ultra-virus on that first part, it was saved by the legislation in the second part.
2: Which is the October 1st, 2007.
1: That's exactly right. So the 3.2 and the 2.0 can be decided separately. Okay. There are separate issues. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: We will take it under advisement. We will uh, just sit in recess. We're going to have a special ceremonial section here. So we'll give you all a few minutes to wrap up, and we'll do that. So we'll just sit in recess for a few minutes.